from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our Old Testament this reading this morning is Psalm 67. Hear now the word of God for you who are the people of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known upon the earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, has blessed us. May God continue to bless us. Let all the ends of the earth revere him. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Our New Testament reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. Hear again God's word. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. God, may this old story speak a new word to us today and send us out into your world equipped to be your faithful disciples. Amen. As you've all heard a few times now, including in the announcements this morning, we're setting off on a campus master planning process as a church. This means that we're discerning who God is calling us to be and what God is calling us to do, and then with a vision of our call in front of us at some point down the road, and I don't know which month, lots of people have asked, but at some point down the road, we'll do our best to match our campus to that call. I know this goes without saying, but we are blessed to be here. Amen? To have sacred space that reminds us that we belong to God, the God of all time and all places, a God who inspires our awe and also meets us right where we are. We're blessed to be an urban church, both in our location and in our identity. We are the grateful recipients of a decision some leaders made over a hundred years ago to come way out here to the outskirts of the city, which has now become the buzzing heart of this incredible city. We live here in its center, in the middle of its beauty and its pain, its complexities and its opportunities. And here we want to be the best neighbor we can be to everyone we can touch, inside these walls, out on that sidewalk, in global partnerships around the world. So I've been in eight or 10 conversations now as part of this campus master planning process, and they start out as conversations about the campus, but before long, they're not at all about walls, but about our purpose. Over and over again, I've heard people saying, we want to invite people. We want to be open. We want to reach more people, to do more to help. We want to offer people what they need to learn and to grow. We want to welcome. We want sacred places, quiet places, places to pray, places for people to experience God and beauty in all its forms. We want the world to be able to see in here, to realize that we're alive and active and that faith is growing in this place. All these comments show that we're committed to the idea that we want to be a hospitable church. We know that the city is bustling by us outside, often not noticing that there's a community here, not knowing how to come in or whether it's allowed not realizing that wonderful opportunities and connections are happening inside. There's an experience I have pretty often that keeps coming to mind as I participate in these conversations of campus master planning. I'm often in a position to show someone around our church for the first time. Now, if it's during the week, that means they've found their way to the lobby and someone has called me to come meet them because it's too hard to give directions to my office. I start here in this beautiful space. It's true, it's true, it's hard to give directions. So we come here to the sanctuary and during the week, this is usually only lit with daylight. 
So the sun is streaming in one, maybe two, of these grand windows, literally highlighting one or two of the stories of our faith. So I talk about these windows. Sometimes Jens is practicing and the space is shaking with the music of our organ and it gives me chills because it reminds me that the God we serve is bigger than the petty squabbles of our time. Sometimes the sanctuary is quiet and echoey, reverent and peaceful. I'll tell this visitor about the table and about the font and about the open Bible, about how God invites us to share a meal and be part of a family. Sometimes I'll say that this room reminds me of God's magnificence and that I'm amazed at the brave, bold decision those leaders made over a hundred years ago to build this space. They were building for far more people than were part of the church at that time, thinking ahead to who would need to be welcomed here. Whoever I'm with is usually amazed. They gasp or they sigh to see this space. Sometimes they want to step in. Sometimes they want to come up here and try this out. Sometimes they're timid, staying at the door, unsure about whether it's even okay to walk in. Then we go to the chapel, and I talk about God's intimacy with us in that space where you can worship together but see every single person you're worshiping with. We'll go to the Worth Room in Fifield Hall, and I talk about the fellowship and the things that are happening here. We go to the second floor where our devoted staff and volunteers are either engaged with our neighbors or they're getting ready to be. And on and on through the life in this building, depending on how much time we have. <clears throat> I have to say the consistent response from all the people I walk through this building is surprise. They're surprised to find out what's happening in here. They're surprised by the beauty they see and they're really surprised by all the activity. They tell me over and over that they've walked or driven by this church more times than they can count and they've never known what this church is about. On one hand, I love being able to surprise them with this church's conviction and compassion in action. On the other, I'm convicted in each of those conversations by the fact that so many people pass this place without knowing us and us knowing them. Friends, that's not about our marketing or our website or our signage. That's about what we are doing as the people of this family of faith to hear God's call and go out to the world to show people what good news looks like. In these town hall meetings about the campus last Sunday, there was a recurring theme about wanting to honor our history and our tradition, but to embrace new ways for a new century. No one said it quite with these words, these are my words, but I think the comments tell us that we're feeling called to turn ourselves inside out. Here's what I mean by that. We know we want people to experience the love and fellowship of Jesus Christ in this place. So we know 
that we have to make this place one that isn't hard to find, isn't hard to enter, and isn't hard to navigate. We know we want to connect with other people, and we know that welcome means something so much bigger and so much harder than just saying that anyone's allowed to be in here. Hospitality is not just an unlocked door. It's a relationship. We know that our purpose is not just inside these walls. I heard people asking last week, what about Midtown? What about young people? What about people who use our MARTA station? Well, it's actually not our MARTA station. The MARTA station that we're blessed to be so close to here, right behind the church. What about all the people who live and work in this area? The thousands who walk and drive and scooter by. What about our vulnerable neighbors who are still being displaced as our city grows and is more and more developed? Can we get to know all of those people? What if our church were a place where people stopped in to visit or pray or eat? Members, visitors, travelers, anyone. What if maintaining all safety and security, of course, it was known all around our community that this is a church where you're not only allowed to walk in, but you'll find a connection here. To do that, we'll have to turn ourselves inside out. We can't expect all those people to suddenly get up the courage to walk into an unknown place. To show the world that it can come in here, we have to go out there. That's what Paul did in our reading from Acts today. Acts is a series of stories about early believers and early church communities who needed to be encouraged and challenged and needed to hear the good news of the resurrection. So the apostles are really busy in Acts. It has an urgency about it. They're traveling, they're telling people the good news, they're building up new churches. It's a restless book, energetic. Every time I read it, I remember that being a Christian is not a label, it's an activity. So in the next few weeks, we'll be reading along in Acts together, listening for God's vision for this Christian community and seeing what the early church did to turn itself inside out. Acts is really packed. It reads sort of like a travel log. Paul went here, Timothy said this, Silas talked to so-and-so. You heard the city names just in the reading today. So it's easy to miss the many sacred encounters happening in those places. But these encounters show, it, show us what it looks like to listen for God and to respond to God's call. At first glance, it looks like this call is in such a different context from ours. Paul sees a vision in the night of a man from Macedonia. Now, I think we're uncomfortable with the idea of visions, mostly. And if someone comes to us and says, I had a vision in the night and you should get on a boat and go over here, we would say, thank you for that thought. People don't see visions anymore, right? Paul goes out immediately to share the good news. That doesn't sound so much like us either. That sounds like a sidewalk preacher or someone trying to get your attention somewhere in public. And let's be honest, 
When that happens to us, we walk a little more quickly to our cars. We're not that comfortable thinking about walking up to strangers and launching into what we believe, but that's what Paul did. He walked up to this group of women, strangers to him, and talked about God. I think that's what speaks to us in this scene today, because we are a church seeing a vision, not a man from Macedonia saying, come help, but a call just the same from a city desperate for love and reconciliation. We're seeing a vision of how the church can be an open place, offering solace and connection where the world encourages disconnection and isolation. We're seeing a vision of how worship offers the world a different witness because here we turn away from our own egos and our rightness, recognizing that we're all guests here and no one's invitation is more important than anyone else's. That couldn't be more different from the backdrop of our world now, so divided with broken down discourse, everyone insisting so much on their rightness that they'd rather take an extreme position and pick a fight with it than to compromise and avoid one. Our vision isn't just of one man pleading, come help. It's of a whole lot of neighbors who need a lot of different kinds of help. Safety, shelter, food, companionship, learning, acceptance, dignity, love. We do see visions. We see a church where all those needs are met and more, where we're all welcomed not in spite of our needs and hungers, but because we are all needy and hungry. We see a vision of a community that reaches beyond even the most beautiful and historic walls, understanding that sharing the good news happens anywhere and everywhere. We see a vision of ourselves as a church facing out and welcoming people in. When Paul saw his vision, he immediately got up and tried to cross over to Macedonia. There was an urgency about that call to come and help we actually don't see that man. Paul and his company don't meet that man, but something else extraordinary happens in this story. They reach Philippi and they apparently spend a few days in the city, but on the Sabbath, they don't hunker down in the temple. They don't keep their own company. They go out of town, out of the city gates, down to the river. They're looking for a place to pray and they find a group of women there. These women are strangers to them, but they are all apparently ready to listen. One woman, Lydia, was listening eagerly. I love that word, eagerly. She's not just paying attention to her own company and half hearing. She's not listening, nodding, pretending. She's not thinking about her to-do list. I'm preaching to myself there. She's listening eagerly because the Lord had opened her heart. Lydia is a passing figure in our scripture. She only appears twice in the book of Acts. We don't know very much about her, except that she's from Thyatira, not Philippi, so we know that she's out of her home context. She's a cloth dealer, and purple cloth specifically. So unlike most women in her day, 
she was in business. Purple is a color of royalty and wealth, so a lot of scholars think maybe this is a wealthy woman Paul has encountered. Paul doesn't meet her in a place of business or in town, but on the outskirts of the city. Now, we don't get anyone's thoughts. We don't hear what they're observing in this moment, but I have to think they were all surprised. Just as people are surprised when I show them this church, or when I'm out in the world and I say, I work at First Presbyterian Church of Atlanta, and they say, oh, what does that church do? And I tell them, about worship. I tell them about exciting educational opportunities that aren't just for us, but are for the world, like Theo Ed talks. I tell them about epiphany and launching social ventures to bless the world. I tell them about conversations with the temple and Ebenezer Baptist about race and mass incarceration, and they're surprised. They're surprised to learn about all the ways that the good news can be shared. Paul and the women were surely surprised to find that God could connect them in this unexpected place, that they could hear a message they hadn't expected to hear. But there, outside, Lydia's heart was opened, and she listened eagerly for the good news. She was so moved that she and her whole household were baptized, and Lydia, this fleeting figure, responds to God's word immediately and invites Paul and his friends to her home. I can't help but think that they were all surprised by what had come from listening to God's call. Lydia, surprised that this man of faith had come out and would baptize her, a stranger on the outskirts of the city. And Paul, surprised that this woman of faith a stranger on the outskirts of the city had been the one to invite him into her home and show him what hospitality looks like. Friends, God is putting a vision for the future of this church before us. May we listen eagerly for it. May we get ourselves ready to open up and to go out and to welcome, really welcome others in. As we walk into that vision, I sure hope we are surprised by what God will do in us, by all the people we will know and love, by all the ways we will share and receive God's good news for the world. Amen.